Welcome back, me sweet listener. I'm Donna Peters. I'm an advisor to executives and next generation leaders who strive to be both career oriented and life minded. The Me Sweet podcast is a forum for how to lead our lives with more purpose, planning, and power, like C suites lead the companies we most admire. The C suite wakes up every day focused on three key decisions. Number one, are we living our own core values? Number two, is everything running smoothly in our day to day? And number three, how do we as individuals stay fresh and relevant for the future we desire to have? You get the idea. We each need a C-suite mentality for leading our own lives. We each need a me-suite, a source of power for the life-minded. Let's get in there. This episode is brought to you by Social Distancing. Today's topic in the Me Suite is something we all could use more of. It's positivity. Our guest is Dr. Susie Green. She is the founder and CEO of the Positivity Institute, and her recent book is The Positivity Prescription, and it lays out a six-week well-being program. And I can only say that I wish that I had known her much earlier in my life because I could have benefited from this a long, long time ago. Welcome, Dr. Susie Green. Uh, thank you so much, Donna, for having me. So, Susie, I, one thing I loved in the positivity prescription, you had one of the elements in your book, which was about living a life that you called a values congruent life. And that's an expression that's very aligned to the me suite, where we start with core values. Could you start there with the listeners before we dive into positive psychology? Yes, absolutely. So, when I first moved into coaching, I have a clinical psych background, but when I first moved into coaching, um, I guess my mentor, Professor Anthony Grant, who we sadly uh, lost earlier this year, actually, who's known as the founding father of coaching psychology, he mm-hmm. introduced me to the concept of values and how important they were in terms of aligning our goals to our values. So it really becomes the why of the goals rather mm-hmm. than the what of the goals. And mm-hmm. since that time, so that was early 2000. Um, Some of your listeners may be familiar with ACT, which is acceptance and commitment therapy or training, which is largely based on values. So it's just been delightful for me to see that emergence over time because Mm. it's very aligned to coaching and the work that we do. Yeah. And so what are your personal core values? Mine are uh, wisdom, being able to make wise decisions. So I'm hoping Mm. to improve uh, that capacity and, and that's something that I really value is the wisdom. The second one is humility. Mm-hmm. And that one's been really interesting for me. This is a fairly new one, actually, in terms of, as, again, as I've been ageing, because as you'd know, Donna, things moving so fast, what we thought we knew were facts are not facts anymore. Yeah. Even from a scientific perspective, there are critiques on what we thought was really well-validated research. And I've learned over time that it's better, far better to hold ideas lightly and to also, I guess it's quite you know, tricky because I've uh. you know, again come from a profession where you have you have expertise. So I've you know been more and more moving towards holding that expertise lightly and being aware and curious and, familiar, and you know wanting to familiarize myself with the mm. emerging research. Yeah, yeah. And the third one uh, is energy. So uh, actually, in terms of character strengths, zest, energy, and vitality is my top strength. But I have to tell you, not all day, every day. <laughs> so, um, so it's really important for me 
to take some recovery breaks. And that's something that I have to be really, really mindful of because otherwise, um, as actually one of my American friends tells me, I'm over-zesting. <laughs> so, uh, so I have to really watch uh, that I'm not expending too much energy and replenishing. Oh, I like this new vocabulary word. <laughs> I'm going to have to use that one, over-zesting. Over-zesting. <laughs> I love it. So let's start with a definition, a common definition for the listeners. What is positive psychology in a nutshell? Yeah, so um, I mean, the scientific definition just rolls off my tongue, which is the conditions and processes that lead to optimal human functioning. But Mm. much more simply, it is the science of us at our best. Oh, the science of us at our best. Yeah, fulfilling our human potential. And uh, you know, the history, a little history um, about positive psychology is it sits on the shoulders of the giants of humanistic psychology. So incredible uh, psychologists that were around in the 50s and 60s, like Abraham Maslow, that mm. some of listeners will be familiar with, yes. Carl Rogers, the fully functioning individual. And uh, I think, you know, what happened was a, the wave of cognitive behavioral approaches came in the 60s and then the 70s, and humanistic psychology wasn't able to, uh, I guess, keep up and we didn't really have the rigorous science to support um, what they were trying to investigate, topics such as self-actualization. And it's only been with the emergence of positive psychology since the year 1998, around 2000, that mm. we now have, we do have the capability to really scientifically investigate what allows us to flourish or to be at our best. Yeah. I know you have been very active in the world lately with webinars, and certainly you have the recently published book, The Positivity Prescription, and you were very prescient. You had no idea what would be happening in the planet when you launched this book, but so so prescient that it's here. Are there certain elements of your positivity prescription that you would prioritize to focus in this discussion that you find more particularly helpful just based on where most people are in the universe today? I absolutely believe the the six M's, and I'm happy to go through them briefly if that's helpful today, are key psychological skills that my intention is, is that people learn them proactively so that Mm. when these curveballs, and we've got a really big one (laughs) right now, so that we're more equipped to to manage them. Mm -hmm. One is mindfulness, Mm -hmm. and uh, I guess I could broaden that. I could have called it M for meditation more broadly because mindfulness is one form of meditation. So I think right now it's a non-negotiable that if you've never thought about it, and of course there, as I said, there are very many different forms. Prayer, for example, can mm-hmm. be a form of meditation. But some, and there are many benefits to meditation and mindfulness meditation, but the mindfulness aspect is really about being in the here and now. It's mm-hmm. so easy to jump into the future with the what-ifs and what's going to happen or I don't know what's going to happen, you know, or also ruminating on the past and thinking about things that didn't go that well in the past. So we really need to be really present right now. Stacks and stacks of research to show that it has a significant effect on stress reduction, which is what we need right now. And then the other one's mindset. Mm -hmm. So some basic mindset skills. So for anyone that has been to see a psychologist in the last 30 or 40 years, they would have learned basic cognitive behavioral techniques. These in my mind, are basic thinking skills that everybody should learn. Um, there are, I'm happy to pass on a, some resources that for people that 
might want to learn a little bit more about that. I do obviously contain some information in my book, but absolutely some mindset skills. Very simply, mm-hmm. we're having a lot of ants. We call them the ants and mm-hmm. I talk about that in the book, the automatic negative thoughts like, oh, my goodness, what if, and again, a lot of the what ifs happen, well, this shouldn't be happening. Yeah. And so the mindfulness actually works beautifully in conjunction with mindset because you need the mindfulness to be aware, to be mindfully aware of these irrational or unhelpful thoughts to be able to hold them and be curious about them and then ask yourself, you know, is there any evidence for this thought or at the very least, how is it helping me to think this way? And then we very simply turn them into our pets, which are performance enhancing thoughts. And so um, many people find that very helpful, just turning our ants into our pets. Now in saying that, Dot, I want to reiterate, it's not always that simple. It sounds easy, change your thinking, but for some people it may be that you do need professional assistance to go and do some deeper work because a lot of those thought processes are um, developed in our early childhood. They've been there a long time and they're not always that easy to change. Yeah, I certainly do appreciate that. And I um, have personally benefited from that level of medical care, uh, saving the lives of people that I love. So I, I I completely appreciate that. And these two that you mentioned, mindfulness and mindset, those are two of what you call the six foundations of flourishing in your book, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Could you mention the other four? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, following closely behind is mood. Uh And uh, the mood for me encompasses the full range of human emotions. And as psychologists, we've been very well trained to help people with uh emotions like fear and anger and sadness, for example, it wasn't until positive psychology emerged that we started to study more closely positive emotions, so joy, Mm -hmm. gratitude, elevation, awe. And so right now, Mm -hmm. because we are experiencing a lot of particularly fear, I think is probably the main emotion, that we need to work extra hard at creating more positivity, more joy in our lives. And that doesn't mean that we get rid of those negative emotions because, in fact, we know from research the more you try to repress them, Mm -hmm. the more they want to get your attention so they come up even stronger. So we need to invite them in but uh, ask them to take a seat on the bus but they're not driving the bus, which Mm -hmm. is a little act technique, and uh, and simultaneously find ways to bring, you know, even if it's just small amounts of joy and pleasure into our daily lives. And that was mood. That was mood. Mm -hmm. The next one's motivation. There's about 40 years of research on goals and uh, well-being, actually, not just goals and achievement. Many people in the corporate sector have used goals for performance performance goals, meeting KPIs, Mm -hmm. but there's been quite a lot of research on the type of goals that can support well-being, um, the types of motivation that can support well-being and achievement. Because what we find and I'm sure you'll be familiar with this, Donna, is that we see people achieving to the detriment of their mm. well-being. Yes. Yeah. So um, that, that the whole chapter on motivation is how we can support both achievement and well-being. Mm. Then we have might, which I've been a little creative here. So that's about <laughs> strength, might or strength. And uh, again, some of your listeners might be quite familiar because there's a fantastic uh, tool out of the US, the Gallup uh, Finder. Yeah. tool, Clifton Strengths Finder it's called now, mm-hmm. and uh, many organisations are using that. And uh, there's also another one, Strengths Profile, in out of the UK, which I'd highly recommend. But I focus in on character strengths. And you can easily even today go to the VIA Institute, again, a US-based institute that has done 
so much research. You can spend hours on that website. Yeah. And you can take a free assessment and it will simply rank order your top, your strengths from, there's 24 strengths, so it'll rank order from 1 to 24. So uh, it's really part of increasing your self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, often when we, you know, have feedback or we do 360s in an organisation, it's often all of the, the blind spots about, the areas we we need to work on to develop and this is a really wonderful way to look at perhaps even some blind spots about our strengths as well right so that might and then the final one is meaning and meaning is a has in recent years become a a very hot topic when it comes to research Uh, historically in psychology there hadn't been a lot of research when I first looked at it but there's increasing amounts of research specifically relating to meaning in the workplace because Mm. we're finding, particularly with our younger generations, that they don't just want jobs, that they do want meaningful work. So I'll talk, I talk about that in the chapter as well. Yes. There were a few things that really popped out to me when I read your book. One was around the activity to do a personal purpose statement. There was another one around the job crafting exercise. Absolutely. Uh, so it's so much of what I loved about it is in the me suite, we are aspirational, but practical. Give me things I can start doing differently on Monday. And the six week well-being prescription is just that. So I am a, a very, very big fan of what you have just published. And I really want to encourage the listeners to get your book. And I'll have information for them in the show notes about how to do that. Is there anything that you can share about the webinars that you've been leading? Is the focus of the webinars reinforcing the book or are those separate topics at this time? Uh, There's probably some some crossover. So I ran a series during May, um, myself, one a week, um, I guess, lockdown lunch and learns, I think we called them. And uh, I think the first one I covered scientific strategies for survival, you know, because that was really when people were in that survival mode. Mm Mm-hmm. Of course, then I could draw more broadly on psychology, not specifically positive psychology. And I think my training in clinical psychology definitely has come to the fore because I, that's what I spent years doing, helping people cope, but, but you know, ideally now not just survive but thrive when mm-hmm. they're going through significant adversity. So um, that uh, there are a series of those. You can find those on the website. They, they were recorded. And then uh, I have my senior associates. So I have a number of wonderful people working with me and we've just started another series once a week during May. Uh, The first one yesterday was on psychological flexibility using ACT acceptance and commitment Mm -hmm. training and a very practical tool called the ACT matrix. So again, that is available um, on the website. And then there's going to be other topics coming up on Gallup strengths and mindfulness and emotional intelligence as well. So topics that again, there will be some crossover with the book, uh, Mm -hmm. but it's always wonderful to hear from I think, you know, engaging the associates, they will have their own slight take and their different practical applications and experiences uh, in the workplace as well. Yeah, certainly. Do you have any advice for listeners about how to identify if it is time for them to see a psychologist and seek that professional support? I think a very simple way uh, to perhaps identify whether it might be helpful to seek professional help is to ask yourself, am I my usual self? You know, do I feel like I've been my usual self or perhaps even my best self? So it can be sometimes hard to realise that you you have been perhaps deteriorating and that's where you really need to rely on feedback 
even though you might not want to hear it at the time, but mm-hmm. I can assure you, your friends and family, those close to you will have noticed as well. And if they are potentially brave enough to tell you, or perhaps, you know, mm-hmm. they have a very good uh, rapport with you in relationship, um, if they do give you that feedback, try and mm. have a little humility and uh, perhaps go and seek even one session just to get a sense of whether you might yeah. need additional support. Oh, that's interesting because then I, if I look at that situation from the other perspective, it's what role do we have as listeners in giving that feedback to somebody who needs to hear it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, I, you know, again, I always try to think about how could we circumvent this and how can we be more proactive? Uh-huh. And I think maybe it is having conversations, but at least with our good friends, our inner sanctum, I would call it, around and, and I know I had to do this once when I was going through a curveball um, because it, particularly if you're a high-achieving, high highly capable person, most of your friends and family think, oh, you're okay, they're okay. Mm-hmm. And so when you're not okay, you, I learned personally that I had to explicitly ask for help. I had to yeah. say to my friends, I know I'm normally okay, I know I, know I never ask but right now I need all the help that I can get. And so perhaps if that was a bit more proactive, it would be having a conversation with your friends around, you know, even we're in this VUCA world, which we're all in now, volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous, Mm. it's more likely than not that we're going to have continuous curveballs being thrown at us. If I find myself not managing as well, and if you notice that, please reach out and, and and maybe even just a little signal or a sign sometimes we find um, can be helpful as well. Wow. I feel so fortunate to have uh, found you in my life. I wished I had had you the last 20 years, but now I'll just hope to have you the next 20 years. I just uh, have loved learning from you and I really appreciate you sharing your expertise and inspiration in the Me Suite today. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Susie Green. Thank you, Donna, and thank you for the work that you're doing in spreading the positivity. We would call you a positive energizer. So thank you so much. I'll take it. Thank you for joining us in the Me Suite. I'm Donna Peters. Subscribe to the podcast. Share ideas for future episode topics. Visit us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and at themesuite.com. That's the-me-suite.com. Sweet like executive suite. That's the dash me dash suite.com. The me suite, a source of power for the life minded. <laughs>